Hello, my name is Persia, and this is Eleven Again. Recently, I've been asking my friends what they were obsessed with as kids. The thing that they just couldn't stop reading or watching or playing with or listening to, whatever. They tell me, and we talk about it, and then they go back and re-experience it. Then we come back and talk about it again. Today, I am talking to my friend, Brandon. He actually used to be my boss. He is also a podcaster. He makes shows over at Multitude. And he chose Goosebumps, One Day at Horrorland. Okay, so I asked you what you wanted to talk about. What did you say? Goosebumps. You don't even know what your (laughs) guest wants to talk about. Let me see your notes prep, Doc. <laughs> Sorry. I wrote in my notes, what I wrote is the ultimate school library book. Okay, that's good. That is the context I have for Goosebumps. Yes, I wanted to talk about Goosebumps because I liked being scared when I was a kid. Do you not like- Not anymore because no. real life is scary. <laughs> you actually don't like horror movies anymore or books or anything? Not really, no. I Because I don't know if it's like a real change or if it's just in my head, but it seems like a lot of horror horror movies nowadays are like very, very, very gory, like more like gore kind of stuff. I I don't do well with blood. One time I got my blood, the only time I've gotten my blood or donated my blood, I passed out. So, (laughs) but I do like, like Get Out was, was very good. Like I like, I like the kind of like psychological horror, which is like what a lot of Goosebumps is. Right. It's more the thriller, the, you're scared of the apparition that's not actually there. Yeah, but it is there because horror is real life and um, it's terrifying. <laughs> Don't tell me that ghosts aren't real. <laughs> I also, I grew up not really watching horror movies. I know some people are like horror movie diehards. My parents had us watch only like arts, artsy horror movies. Like we watched Signs and like, what's the one? I, I See Dead People. <laughs> it's exclusively M. Night Shyamalan movies that you watch. Oh, those are both M. Night Shyamalan. You're right, you're right. <laughs> Maybe yeah. <laughs> it's just because we were from Philly and we felt a deep, deep, deep feelings for M. Night Shyamalan. We have to support. Is he from Philly? Yeah, he's from Philly. See, oh, wow. You would know that if you were from Philly. Some deep cheese steak energy from those movies. <laughs> I wouldn't say so. I guess they're not artsy, but you know what I mean? They're like family friendly. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually seen Sixth Sense, actually. Like, I saw it on TV, I think. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Like, they're more, they're more on the long lines of like, psychological thriller they're not like big gore fests right so tell me about the extent of your goosebumps obsession was it like you just read a bunch of the issues or you were like reading them over and over again or you're like when's the next one coming out what's what was the situation yeah i i don't remember like actively like i never waited in like a midnight like a release party for goosebumps or whatever it is but um (laughs) like i did for harry potter but (laughs) uh, i was a big big nerd i still am a big big nerd and uh, I went to a like um, I went to like my my um, neighborhood elementary school, and so I would finish my work really early in the day, and then I would just end up going to the library. So I read a ton of books, and I really loved the Goosebumps books. And I remember I think I got them from like this classic book fair. I'm pretty sure, which is peak nostalgia. <laughs> yes, and. I we used to do. Did you do this accelerated reader program, the AR program? I don't know. Did, was that in middle school too? Because I went to like a weird elementary school. I don't think we had it in our elementary school. Uh, I think it was just elementary school, so that might have been why. But basically, yeah. you like read books and took quizzes to prove that you read the book, and then you got points based on how well you did on the quiz, and then you got uh, the points you could like chain exchange for like rewards at the book fair. Yes. 
And yes, 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 yes. Yes. And so you could get like erasers. Or if you're me, you could get a ton of books because you've read so many books. <laughs> so I remember voraciously devouring the Goosebumps book because I like to, I don't know why I like to scare myself, but I definitely did. <laughs> were you like on purpose reading them like alone in bed at night? <sighs> or I guess you were reading at the, at the school library. I'm just like wondering how scared you can be at the school library. Yeah, that's a fair point. I was also a um, very scared kid as I am a very scared adult. <laughs> So I can get scared anywhere. I do remember, like, even as a kid, Goosebumps was, like, the right amount of scared. Like, I remember the Are You Afraid of the Dark TV show yes. and books. And that shit was, like, legit scary. The reruns, I think, would come on, like, super late at night or like, uh, late at night for a kid. And I remember vividly one. I was trying to Google it earlier. I couldn't find it. But there was one where, like, there's a ghost living inside, like, the burglar alarm system. So if anyone knows what that one is, please tell me. But I have okay. this, the last scene, the like cliffhanger at the end of it, like burned into my memory forever because it was the most terrifying thing of all time. Ugh. And Goosebumps ah, was sorry. not that. A fly just landed on me. So, ugh. A fly? A fly. <laughs> oh, no. A horse come to life. <laughs> I know. I was like, what the fuck is on my leg? Oh, it's a fly. But I was thinking, like, especially just I was in my family house a couple weeks ago and I was just looking through a lot of the books that I remember just reading over and over again and being really attached to. And Scholastic fucking owned our asses. Like, yeah. <laughs> did we do anything that wasn't Scholastic? I was wondering this today. Did did our public schools, or at least my public school, let glorified salespeople just come and sell to kids directly? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I guess like all in the name of reading, like all's well in love and capitalism if we're reading. I don't. The ironic thing is that they held my book fairs in the library. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> so like, why are we just not, why are we not just giving these books to kids to read? Why are we selling them? That's a good point. It's like I'm in the place where the books are free. It's a bookstore in a library. It's very strange. But it's also it was very exciting because you could get like cute pens and like you said erasers and like notebook. You know, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, stuff that they would upsell at like five hundred percent, I bet. <laughs> I, Look, I'm on the scholastic tip. I'm going to expose them for the capitalist uh robber barons that they are. <laughs> and this is the start of my campaign. <laughs> Exploitation of minors. Yes. But yeah, I was just like I just looking at it being like, Oh my god, Goosebumps is scholastic. Like, of course, of course it was. And it's funny that I also felt like, and that's what I remember. I remember reading Goosebumps in my elementary school library. Weirdly enough, my elementary school was connected to like a public library. Like our- Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It was literally like we shared the building with them. So you like went through these special doors and then you were in like a whole public library. Um, But it was kind of in the burbs. I don't know. It was very chill and they wouldn't really let us go there like unsupervised. I hope not. Yeah. But- uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was cool, I guess, having access to, like, an even bigger library than what a school library normally looks like. Yeah, that's awesome. And, yeah, that's definitely where I've read Goosebumps. But I can't say that I remember any specific plot line or character or story or anything like that. Do you feel like you, like like you said about Are You Afraid of the Dark, like, being seared into your brain? Was there, are there things from Goosebumps that stand out to you? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I can't believe, so you don't. If you don't remember any specifics, I'm I'm curious. Do you have any like general feeling about them? Like, do you remember liking them, or do you, are you just totally like, oh yeah, they existed? 
I remember liking them, but I don't remember like partic- like I remember liking them and like reading them kind of casually. I think my biggest connection to them that I still have is just the um I mean essentially the look of them. The the yeah. covers are very sort of iconic in a way. I don't know, a Goosebumps cover Ridiculous. just yeah. It's like the Animorphs. It's just like it's a cover that you like saw as a kid and like made an- <laughs> had an effect on you, good or bad, like that was I don't know, I have a very sort of strong memory of just looking at the covers and and that like sort of bright green color yeah it was brilliant was there like a, a goosebumps book that had to do with like slime or like the blob or something yeah there was uh well the goosebumps logo was slime usually right. but there was also oh i just saw this i think it's the the blob that ate everyone i think i think that one i sort of remember it's about like summer camp i think a lot of horror uh, goes down at summer camps for kids which is Surprising that adults would write so much horror about summer camps when, like, you want your kids to go to summer camp. This is why I think they might have been popular, because I think R.L. Stein was sort of, like, tapping into the, you know, psyche of children of, like, their worst fears, right? So, like... Oh, like the pre-existing anxieties that a kid would have. Exactly. Like, I mean, you look at I look at these titles, and they're all super dumb, right? <laughs> like... <laughs> Welcome to Dead House. Stay out of the basement. The girl who cried monster. But like when you're seven, these are like, these are the things that you like conjure up in your brain and are like the most anxiety provoking things that possibly can. Like piano lessons can be murder (laughs) is one of the titles. (laughs) Like you go to someone else's house that you don't know who's like an older adult who teaches you piano and like, who knows? You could be murdered. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the assumption is that like actually like letting kids live through that ideation like to the end in like a fantasy setting helps i guess totally i think they always do the kids always like succeed at the end which is like a good thing to teach children that like they can overcome their fears i mean i do think that like besides sort of allowing children to like live out the like nightmares that they're anxious about anyway i do think horror stories told generationally is just like a human culture mainstay like you always sort of in even if it's not in goosebumps like if you do actually go to camp i feel like every summer camp has like a oh you know this guy lives in the lake and like hacks people to death with an axe like there's there's no there's no town or or state or camp that doesn't have some sort of story like that floating around yeah i love that it's it's interesting because i think like what adults do or spend their time doing when they have children is trying every trying desperately everything they can to keep their kids feeling safe. Yeah. Like that's why we have homes. That's why we, you know, all these things like, but um, I think it's interesting that like RL Stein specifically and other people as well, like wanted to take on the task of like, no, it's okay to be afraid of these things because I also want to show you that you can come out on the other side and and the fear wasn't founded because that's what children do is like over over analyze these fears so like i think there is a an interesting dichotomy of like my parents will just say like no no no, those myths aren't true they aren't true but what rl stein was saying is like well let's take these myths to the logical conclusion and see what happens and like that's what you do in therapy (laughs) you know yeah my question is and i don't particularly remember is that so in goosebumps the threats are real like there is real like uh, fantasy sci-fi stuff happening that like whatever there are aliens or evil things or curses like those things are real it's not a it's not a scooby-doo situation where like at the end they actually figure out there was something else going on 
It's sort right. of like, no, you, whatever you think is happening is actually happening, but we'll overcome it. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I think, like, that's um, that's better for a child to, like, it's a safer place. It's a safe place for a kid to explore what that would be like, whereas, like, Scooby-Doo tells you that, oh, the thing that you were afraid of, all, afraid of all along, like, you're stupid for thinking that it was a real threat because, like, it's just a guy in a mask. But, like, what Goosebumps does is say, like, I, I'm taking your fears seriously and we're going to explore them together and then work through them together, which I th- I'm just coming up with now and I think it's magical. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of it and I'm completely right. So the one you picked for today was One Day at Horrorland. Yes. Was there any specific reason why One Day at Horrorland was yeah. the one you settled on? So I that's the one I like probably most like sticks out in my brain sort of along those same lines as like a, a flashbulb memory from that TV show. I have a very vivid memory of reading like the part where they get out of the car and like look at this uh, theme park and it's spooky and messed up and something's, something's amiss. Um, and I don't know why that stuck with me so much, but like just the idea of a, of a haunted theme park is very cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you remember like vaguely the plot of One Day at Horrorland? Not really. That, that that was why it was a hard decision because that's the one that like like um most sticks in my brain. But I do I do know uh for Welcome to Camp Die, I wrote a basically a rip off of that book and sold it to my classmates in like second grade or third grade. You sold it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm surprised they bought. I like. I wrote it up, I typed it all up and I printed it out and then like bound it and uh, sold it off. How many did you sell? I don't remember exactly, but I, I sold more than one for sure. <laughs> I, w- I would kill for a copy of that book. I think my mom still has it, like a copy somewhere. All right. Well, let me know. <laughs> but safe to say that it's kids who are going to some sort of theme park where things are scary and things go wrong yeah it, they, at some point i assume their parents have to like drop them off because the parents can't be there right right yeah kids i don't only. know and i i assume there's probably a tv episode adaptation of it which i'd be curious to watch too okay i'm ready to read all right we'll see who can sleep after they read it okay. <laughs> the challenge is on <laughs> I'm excited to go under the covers with a flashlight and read it. Yeah, that's a good idea. And then you can make s'mores and then uh, call your mom and she can, um, you know, make you feel better after it. Yeah, I think it's going to be <laughs> exactly like that. You're giving me a look like you didn't do that with your child when you were like totally self-sufficient as a child. I don't know if I ever called my mom and to be like, mom, I'm scared. Oh, wow. Who's a that? big, strong <laughs> eight-year-old <laughs> now? I'm not afraid of anything. I'm Percy. I'm eight years old. I I don't believe in ghosts and, uh, you know, can take go up to super big heights and, like, go to the zoo and not be afraid of the lions. I just don't remember. Do you remember <laughs> doing that as a kid? Yeah, I was a big wuss. <laughs> wow. Maybe I'll ask her. And she'll be like, even if you called, I wouldn't answer. <laughs> That's the feeling I get of probably what happened. Well, I'm proud that I got one real laugh out of you in 29 minutes, so we should end it here. Okay. (laughs) Happy reading. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Hello. 
Hello, I'm R.L. Stein. Our classic Goosebumps story is called One Day at Horrorland. Lizzie's family got lost trying to find Zoo Gardens theme park. But that's okay. They found another amusement park instead. In Horrorland, there are no crowds, no lines, and the admission is free. It seems like a pretty cool place. But that was before Lizzie's heart-stopping ride on the deadly doom slide and that terrifying experience in the House of Mirrors. There's something weird about the rides in Horrorland. Something a little too creepy. A little too real. Listener beware. You're in for a scare. When did you read the book? Uh, last night and this morning. I fell asleep reading it, so I don't know how you were so scared. <laughs> what time were you reading it last night? Like, I mean, like 1230 or 1-ish, you know. Okay, we were reading it at the exact same time, except not at the exact same time, because you're three hours right, behind I'm a time me traveler. in California. <laughs> I was, like, in my bed, ready to sleep, and then there was some commotion happening outside. Sounded like a party, but how could it be a party? We're in the middle mm, of a pandemic. It was definitely monsters. I don't know. Anyway, I couldn't sleep. So I was like, let's read Goosebumps. I'll be ahead of the game. And I was like, now I'm alone in my apartment and I'm reading Goosebumps and it's scary. And also there's something happening outside and I can't see. I was like looking out the window trying to figure out who was making all the noise and I couldn't find them. I was like, it's the horrors. It's the horrors from Horrorland. The horrors is a very good name for like a group of a group of like monsters. I also wasn't sure though. So the horrors are like the people who work in this amusement park. But I, I, how do the kids fit? Do the kids like name them horrors or do they are they actual like like is that a kid given name or is that a self given name? That's a good question because the whole book is apparently told through the lens of um, the girl. What's her name? Lizzie. Yeah. So, yeah, give a quick, quick rundown of like main characters, what they're doing, what happens kind of stuff. Okay. So the only thing I remembered from reading this book is the very first scene-ish. The like plot is that these this family uh, who consists of Lizzie, who the story is told by. She's a narrator. Um, and she's, quote, the calm one. And then her two brothers, Luke and Carl. And I think Carl's the younger one. Carl's just a friend. Oh, Carl's just a friend. That's why he was blonde. I was trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> He's just okay. a friend. So Luke is Lizzie's brother yeah. and then carl is luke's friend um and luke is kind of like a rough housey dick and carl is a normal average human boy um and then their parents the parents of lizzie and luke are peggy and wretch no sorry oh my god <laughs> is the dad not mentioned I, I she just calls them mom and dad for most of it i didn't even realize they were named i guess it's just on the tv show yeah um so then they have their mom and dad with them too and they are driving along and they're trying to go to the zoo and they get super lost, which is like a weird thing for me to think about in the 21st century. <laughs> yeah, super big pre-GPS vibes. The whole plot is predicated on their lack of GPS and their lack of a cell phone. If either of those things had happened, they would be fine. They'd be fine. Technology has done so much for us. I know. We are not haunted by horrors anymore. So they get lost and they end up underneath this giant billboard for a theme park that's a horror theme park. And they go and lots of shenanigans happen. And that's that's basically the book. 
Yeah. So the the theme park is called Horrorland. I was trying to figure out how much this is like actually an analogy for like family tension. <laughs> well, here's my hot take. They're in a bad marriage. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm not even sure that's a hot take. <laughs> it's like you forget the tropes we've like tried to leave behind in fiction. And yeah. the book opens with like the dad driving, getting aggressively lost, the mom being like, maybe we should ask for directions. And the dad going like red faced and yelling because yep. he doesn't want to ask at for directions. At both his kids and his wife. And I, I was like, I divorce him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Zero tolerance policy. And then another point in the book, she said, the narrator says, I guess Lizzie says something along the lines of like, in bad situations when dad's angry, mom is the calm one, which is like so fucked up. Oh my God, it was bad. Which yeah. is always funny to me because I find that a lot of, not everyone, but a lot of the people I knew and grew up with had angry moms and calm dads, <laughs> which I feel like is not as much as a trope, but like. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's like cultural or like regional because like I definitely grew up with most with mostly angry dads, but I'm from the South. Right. Yeah. I um, think. Yeah. Maybe in like also like in immigrant families. I don't know. My mom is uh, spunky. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so like that's they set this whole it's very much like three kids in the back. Parents are angry and aggravated, you know, road trip gone bad. One of the most traditional whatever Americana like settings setups yeah. for uh, fiction. I kind of feel like I've been primed for this sort of thing. So I was like, oh, it's going to be like an analogy for like the family like being torn apart and then like coming back together. They're going to like literally torn apart, torn apart. They're going <laughs> to they're going to like surmount their obstacles or whatever. And they're going to be stronger through it. But honestly, yeah. I'm not actually sure that was the vibe. No, I don't think so. I don't think it has anything to do with the family. <laughs> I think it's literally just like, we're going to put these kids in like one scary situation after another, and then it's like never really going to end. It was a weird story about like this young girl, Lizzie, sort of becoming the mom of a fucked up family where like she takes control because ultimately in the end, she's the one that figures out the way to get out and she takes control of the situation. So like she's the adult in this yeah. <laughs> deranged family. <laughs> I think it and I think the book in some ways like surprised me more than I thought it would because it like went farther than I thought it would for like a kids horror book. Yeah. Tell me more about why you got so scared because like well my reaction was I opened it and I was like first of all this is 64 pages. It's a lot shorter <laughs> than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. You thought it was 200 pages. And then um, it's like very it's like a kid like a really kids version of a netflix show where like the end of every chapter is a cliffhanger yes and it's written for i don't know if this is just this book or goosebumps but it's definitely written at like a specific rate level like sentences that should not be separated are separated into different sentences <laughs> it's very like base level fear of like i'm scared of x things so x thing happens therefore i'm scared like i'm scared of bats and so bats and then ah <laughs> here's the thing that took it far from me because a lot of the stuff you talked about like the sentence structure and the chapter structure i mean the chapters were like three pages long and then end on cliffhangers and that sort of stuff yeah felt to me like good building blocks for getting kids into reading chapter books and like keeps you keeps the momentum going yes. really nicely 
for longer, you know, getting kids into reading like longer books with no pictures to give them that sort yeah. of not serotonin hit, but like keep it coming, keep it coming <laughs> sort yeah. of structure, I think is really effective for, you know, baby's first chapter book. The the thing that was kind of that I was surprised by was that it they just took it a little bit farther than I thought they would. So they like they get to horror land and the kids are kind of like let's try to save this like family trip let's go to Harland and like have a good time mm-hmm. and they get out of the car and they start to walk to the gates and their car explodes <laughs> which is like yeah I, I just think you know and i understand that they had to like get them stuck at horror land but you could have yeah. like i don't know a flat tire or like their car gets stolen their car fucking explodes like like they literally they could have all died and the book would have been over it's just uh-huh. like seemed like very high stakes off the bat yeah no i totally agree with you at that point that was like completely out of left field and i think that's why i remember this this book specifically because i remember that scene and even as like a you know seven-year-old whatever going like what the fuck yeah and it's also like how did it explode like the horrors are just like waiting it's never explained (laughs) yeah it's never explained the horrors are just like waiting in the parking lot to like bum rush like put bombs under people's cars as soon as they arrive maybe every parking space is Is rigged trapped yeah it was rigged I was like, oh, okay, is this the sort of ride we're in for? Like, maybe this is, like, post-9-11 terrorism brain of everyone of our society now, but, like, a car exploding, like, behind you is a massive deal. Like, I would be running immediately. Like, this is not an okay situation to be in. Nothing is safe. Goodbye. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, you definitely have to do the sort of, um, you have to buy into it to read the rest of the book being like and now they're gonna go hang out in this amusement park yeah they're like let's get it off our minds that our car exploded let's distract ourselves by going to this amusement park well to be fair they do like initially go there to to try to find a phone yeah which is because they need to call a i don't know someone to pick them up or something yeah and then of course like you said there's the way that the plot separates the parents from the children so that the children are experiencing most of the book alone. But the other thing that took it far for me is that like you're actually never sure and I think it was like really good. You're really never sure what's going on. Like yeah. the the kids don't know if things are actually scary or if it's like a fun amusement ride or a fun amusement park. And you as the reader also have no idea if things are actually going to go badly or not. I mean, right. I guess you know if you've read enough Goosebump books at that point that you're like, they're safe. They wouldn't actually kill the kids in this book. But when you're a kid, I don't know if you know that. Like, if you're a kid reading this, I don't know that you have that sort of, like, knowledge of, like, oh, this one is going to fill in the same stereotypes as the other ones. Like, you're like, oh, this one could be different. They could actually die. <laughs> yeah. So it was just that sort of, like, constant, like oh, something is really actually wrong. And then them being like, actually, maybe that was fine. The one that was crazy for me is the three kids get stuck in this like mirror hall, like a magic trick mirror hall. And, you know, it's it's the normal sort of they're chasing each other and they can't get to the same place and they're like hitting their heads on the mirrors. But then they all get stuck in three different rooms. Yeah. And then they're like Star Wars about to be trash compactor yeah (laughs) trash compactor in the fucking mirror hall and and it's glass so like (laughs) they're gonna get to watch each other be squished yeah they can see each other and they're like yelling and the lizzie the main character is always like i really think i'm gonna die like i'm the walls are closing in i can't breathe i'm freaking out 
And then there's this sort of, you know, that's the cliffhanger. And then the next chapter opens with the gotcha. They slide out. There's some sort of slide mechanism. The bottom opens up and they're, they're freed from the mirror hall. Yeah. The whole, the whole, every, everything event is like they near death and then suddenly the floor falls out from under them and now they're fine. And so like, it's a constant like gaslighting of the children in this theme park. He and I stepped into the barn. The sour smell was overpowering. I held my breath and pinched my fingers over my nose. We started running to the doors on the opposite wall, and they slammed shut. With a gasp of surprise, I turned back to the doors we had entered. They slammed shut too. Hey! I shouted angrily. (laughs) What's going on? Clay cried in a whisper. We were in total darkness, blacker than black. The sour odor swept over me. I started to feel sick. Then I heard the rapid flutter of wings. Soft at first, then louder, closer. I screamed as I felt something brush against the back of my neck. Which is, uh, I think, a great device because it it really does mirror the way you feel as a kid in those kind of situations. I don't know. Like, were you ever scared by any, like, theme park rides or anything like that? Do you remember? I, for a while, essentially wouldn't go on any extreme rides i wouldn't go on roller coasters i once i think my family like essentially tricked me into going on space mountain because they told me it wasn't a roller coaster and it is a roller coaster (laughs) it totally is (laughs) and i think they were like well it's dark you can't see anything and i was not i'm just not sure that's better percy is dumb it's fine (laughs) (laughs) well i went on the ride so i wasn't the brightest but honestly as a kid one of the times I remember being really, really, really scared was seeing the movie. Um, I don't remember what it's called. I think it's like one of the Fanning Girls and Tom Cruise or something. There's like End of the World. Oh, War Al- of the Worlds? War of the Worlds. Yeah, I think this is it. It's like an alien invasion. Where they're like um, big tall guys on like sort of like squid-like almost, but mechanical. Yeah. Yeah. This came out in 2005. So this is like the perfect age for me to be terrified (laughs) uh yeah i might have been 11 actually so i like i came home from that and was shaken to my core i found that that's extremely frightening that's so funny because like i was i would be 95 i would have been 14 ish 13 14 ish and I remember going to see that, and it was like a movie that you went to the movies to make out with your, your partner. And <laughs> the movie is certainly happening in the background. What a difference, like, four years can make in our level of fear. <laughs> but no, sorry. So I was not a fan of roller coasters, but I don't remember being particularly, like, creeped out by amusement parks. Yeah. Did you go to Disney much when you not were really. a Not really. I'm not really a di- from a Disney family. Yeah. I am, for better for worse, <laughs> and uh, I remember I think like the Pirates of the Caribbean freaked me out a lot because it was like in the dark, and they're like scary animatronics. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I I do remember like as a kid, yeah, everything that was like, scary really felt like life and death. Anything that sort of like every turn or every curve of a, a amusement park ride, it was like, oh, this is where I end. <laughs> Especially if you're not with your parents, you know. Yeah, you're sort of isolated. So you think that sort of that gaslighting, the over dramatic, the over, I can't say it, dramatization, dramatization of it, like actually lends itself to 
imparting a feeling that is true. I think to kids reading it, because I, I do remember, you know, when I read it as a kid, like, yeah, like it did feel very, very high stakes. And then reading it as a as an adult, it's like, oh, like this obviously isn't going to work out the way they think it's going to work out. <laughs> I, I think that R.L. Stein did a good job of portraying what it's like to be inside of a kid's mind. And I think that really only works for children readers. You yeah. Know? <laughs> or or you, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. They described the horrors of having like bulging yellow eyes that like floated. Scary. Luke hurried up beside the horror. Hey, has anyone ever died here in this park? Luke asked. The horror kept walking. The black balloons bobbed above his head. Only once, he told Luke. One person died here? Luke asked. The horror shook his big green head. No, not what I meant. What did you mean? Luke demanded. A person can only die once here, the horror said. No one has ever died twice. I do remember that point, that part too, when I was a kid of the horrors, the reveal that the horrors were not actually wearing costumes. They were just real. I don't remember the very bit at the end to spoil it felt very video gamey where they were like, they finally reunite with their parents and the horrors like come at them like zombie horde style. Slowly on mass. And then they stop. The sort of swarm. Yeah. And then eventually they stop in front of them and they tell them that they've been on a monster game show and thank you for their participation. That really made the book for me. (laughs) it's really good (laughs) it's like really darkly darkly comedic yeah smile you're on candid camera which is also not i feel like candid camera was a bigger thing back then than it is now yeah like punked and all that stuff too yeah i was gonna say that what is that ashton kutcher yeah yeah uh, honestly fucking hilarious for the horrors to come out and be like i'll start (laughs) clapping and be like great job you were on scary monster candid camera you almost died and we videotaped it (laughs) i thought that was the end too i was like oh it's just they're all in costume and it's a candid camera fucked up but that's cool the next thing that happens is they're like here's the actual exit door because the gates were locked and they walk through this door into this building where they just like you have 60 seconds to get out or we have rabid animals that are going to eat your flesh until you die they were like congratulations for being on our tv show now we're going to try to actually kill you like we got all the tape we needed and now we're like going to kill you just for funsies this one's on us (laughs) which is like the implications of both these two things right and at the end of it they actually they get out of the room and then they they like zombie horde them um zombie horde encircle them again and try to push them into this like acid pit to actually kill them so the implication of all this is that one, there's an entire world of of monsters somewhere on the same planet as us that we have no knowledge of. And two, they're not only like bloodthirsty, they're bloodthirsty to a degree that like we're zoo animals in their planet. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that zoo. I didn't think about that zoo parallel. They were looking for a zoo and they found one. I didn't till just now. <laughs> Thank you for putting that together for me. <laughs> I don't know if that was on purpose or not. But yeah, it's like a human zoo, I guess. Yeah. But um, I did like the comedy of like the the way that they they eventually get out is the um, in the very beginning, Luke is like he calls himself the mad pincher and he like has this thing where he pinches clay. And then throughout the the book, um, there's various signs in the theme park that says like no pinching, which I thought was very cute. And like it's very weird in contrast with the other signs, which are very foreboding. 
And at the end, they um, Lizzie comes up with the idea to try to pinch the monsters. And when she does, they deflate, which is very funny. It is a great like kryptonite for the monsters to j- just they can't stand being pinched. Yeah, they they literally deflate. But again, I thought I kept on. I don't know why I feel like I'm geared up for these sort of stories to be like moral teachings for children, which in some ways I'm kind of glad this book wasn't. But I kept on being like, ah, there are no pinching signs. (laughs) Like it's just, you know, a way to teach Luke that pinching your friends isn't nice. I just I just thought it was like a learning moment. But no, it was a weapon all the time. (laughs) I think the moral was like trying to be like. Be courageous like be brave i don't really know what it is <laughs> i think like, there might not be one i literally yeah. think they don't care <laughs> i think rl stein was like you're about to have a bumpy ride and then yeah everything it. i said in part <laughs> everything i said in part one about rl Stein being this like paragon of human or of child experience and learning all these lessons like i i, I definitely take it back <laughs> I think he was just writing really short, spooky horror stories for children to freak themselves out to. Yeah, which is he's very effective at. Yeah, and kids like to scare themselves. The other weird thing is they talk about how there are a lot, not a lot, but some other families that are at the amusement park. Yeah. And they're just kind of, you know, they just kind of describe the other families as wandering around with crying kids. That's <laughs> yeah. the whole... I mean, that is a theme park, let's be <laughs> real. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, are they also all getting killed at the end? Or was it just our family that we were watching that was on candid camera? Yeah, that's... Or was it, were they fake families in some way or whatever? Because, like, yeah, oh, at the end... But then why would they be crying? The, I don't know. It's part of the atmosphere? I don't know. Because it, it wouldn't make sense if they were locking the entire gates and then, like, all assemble upon this one family. Like, are the other families like, great, here's our excuse. Let's leave. Yeah. Well, at the end, I think it is completely empty of the other families. They do say so that. So they just left? Like, what did this family do to, to piss off the monster world? I think they were just such good, like, on-camera actors. Mm, I think So it's- everyone else was, like just not interesting to watch yeah or you know they didn't have luke like saying every five minutes that he wasn't scared and wanted to do another crazy really frightening ride yeah and baiting his uh, friend luke is a his... tool <laughs> the whole reason that they get into this problem is luke and he baits them the whole time key themes from this book from childhood peer pressure yep pressuring your friends and or family into doing things that they don't want to do because i don't know there's just some weird social game that everyone is playing all the time in childhood which is about bravado or i don't know <laughs> like herd thinking and i think the you know getting lost slash abandonment there's a lot of the kids like trying to find their parents again or it felt like a nightmare I- i'm sure a lot of the books read this way but even to me like it felt like the experience of having a dream where you're sort of moving from scene to scene and you're like, why don't I leave? I'm not having a good time. Why can't I just leave this experience instead of just moving from from nightmare scene to nightmare scene sort of without yeah. explanation? So I think as an adult, that was also or it still felt true to that experience of not just sort of cycling through bad experiences and not understanding why. Yeah, it's like when you're in college and <laughs> you go to one party and you're like, parties suck in college and then you're like a month later going to another party and you're like parties (laughs) suck here and then you keep doing it for four years 
Mm-hmm. I'm actually interested now to read more Goosebumps just to see how different or how consistent they are. May I recommend? Uh, oh, yeah. There is, I don't remember the name of it, but there's one, a couple of them uh, about a ventriloquist doll named Slappy. Oh, I hate doll things. Oh, it's doll things really awful. Me out. <laughs> no. Oh, and there's the, uh, the like, take a photo and you die one is, is I remember pretty well. Can I hit you with another fan theory real fast? Yes. I think my fan theory is that Luke is a horror and he was in on it the whole time. Oh, you think he's a plant? I think he's a plant. It's like a changeling. Like they had a, it was a plant a really long time ago and they've actually been raising a horror. Yeah. Maybe they just like gave him like season passes to this theme park <laughs> in exchange for like the murder of his family. Oh, for like luring <laughs> yeah. people. Well, come back anytime, brother. <laughs> Do you feel like reading Goosebumps or reading this had an impact on you in a greater sense? Yes, I think it did because, well, I think like the greater genre of like kids horror did for sure. Because like I was definitely into this as a kid. Like, are you afraid of the dark? Goosebumps, all this kind of stuff. And like even Lemony Snicket stuff where like the kids are in a essentially a horror movie. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know why I was so interested in this stuff. I don't know if it had to do with like just normal childhood stuff or like my parents got divorced. I don't know if that was part of it. And I do wonder just like what it did to me growing up as like being more self-assured in, in like what I was, what kids were allowed to do. You know, Lizzie is allowed to, in the book, allowed to solve this horrific monster attack so like i'm sure that's a great example for kids to be like oh i'm allowed to when i have an idea to like just go and try it and see if it works yeah i just i wonder a lot about these sorts of books especially like what i was reading i don't know yeah I, I just wonder a lot about greater implications to what we let kids read or or suggest that they read or enforce that they read yeah i have a big theory about that that i've I've discussed with Lauren on many occasions because she was a big nerd too as a kid. There's the whole like banned books, you know, like uh, especially in Texas. I don't know much about other places, but like, you know, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, that stuff is is all banned. And I, I have the opinion that like books are truly the one medium in which kids can explore very adult or scary topics within a true cone of safety. Because you, the reader, get to decide if you're reading, how long you're reading, what time you're reading, how you're reading. You're not, like, physically doing anything, right? Like, you're not physically watching a screen. You're not um, going to enter doing an experience. Like, it is totally, totally safe. And I think it's really healthy and really advantageous for kids to read things that are, like, above their level of understanding and really understand, come to understand the world that way. Especially in terms of, like, differing opinions of how the world works and how to look at the world and different perspectives. Yeah. I don't know. I, I am as an adult, like really miffed that any books are banned for children. Like if I should, if I want to read a clockwork orange as a kid and I can read it, then I should, I don't know. Yeah. I think there's a difference obviously between required readings for a class or whatever and having books available in a public library or in a school library. Yeah. But yeah, I think about that a little bit because I think I read Girl with a Dragon Tattoo mm. at a fairly young age, like in my teens, uh, yeah. which has 
if you haven't read it, it has very explicit content right. about violence towards women Plenty and sexual violence too, right? Yeah, sexual violence, and it's just. I mean, they made a couple of mo- they made a couple of movies. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I definitely. I think I talked with my godmother. I might have been staying with her at the time about it, and I felt ready, and I wasn't. I didn't feel negatively impacted by it. And they're great books. Yeah, I don't know. I every now and then I say something like that, like, "Oh yeah, I read those." I loved them. You know, I might have been 14 or 15 and people yeah. are like, oh, my God, you read them at that age? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, in some ways, it's a learning experience and it's a good learning experience, especially for a young woman. Yeah, no kidding. To sort of understand all the horrors of this world in, in one way, but also, like you said, in a, in a safe way, that's a reading right. experience and not. You know, watching something extremely graphic and feeling like you can't escape it. And you can't turn it off immediately if you're watching with someone else, you know? Like, yeah, I think probably reading those books as a 14-year-old and reading and watching the movies as a 14-year-old would have been a completely different experience. And one that the movie might have been like a, a scarring effect while the book had like a, um, you know, a, a bolstering effect on your on your adultness as your humanness, you know? Ooh, we love it. We love to get deep. i'm a big reader and i my my parents i always i still think it's funny but my parents especially my mom being like an immigrant she's very she always talked the big talk of like i want my kids to be doctors and to help people and to do that sort of stuff but all my mom did when we were kids was have us read books fiction books have (laughs) us watch movies have us watch tv shows take us to museums like have us listen to the radio she was a big arts mom (laughs) and now she has kids who are like working in the food industry a teacher (laughs) someone who fucking produces podcasts (laughs) my little brother is making them watch only kurosawa movies during quarantine (laughs) and like talking about camera angles and my dad is like what the fuck is this that's incredible do you think it comes from (laughs) i love that so much (laughs) parents will inform a a child's entire personality and be like why are they like this (laughs) it couldn't be me oh i love that that's why no one should have children (laughs) (laughs) unless they're ready for the consequences of their actions (laughs) okay well how did you feel overall it lived up to the hype yeah i think it's like uh... I'm always torn on the like the impulse of nostalgia, you know, because like I I don't I don't personally think there's anything wrong with in- indulging in nostalgia. Like I play the Pokemon video game like the original once every couple of years just because it's fun. As long as you have the like healthy perspective of what you're doing, and like from that perspective, yeah, like reading Goosebumps was was fun. I didn't like it doesn't change the way I felt about it as a kid, but it definitely like gives me a new perspective on how kids can read media. Um, so if I ever, you know, wanted to make media for children, then like, yeah, that really helps, you know? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they might be ready for more than I give them credit for. Totally. I think a lot of people, a lot of adults like have that same idea of kids can't handle it um, when I, I just don't think that's true. 